Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. You open TikTok, you scroll and scroll, and then you suddenly stop at something created by Edison Lopez. It starts as something cute or funny. Maybe he's waving a Puerto Rican flag. Maybe it's the tiny squeak of a coquille frog. Him dancing salsa. That second you stop, you're in for a surprise. Because you're about to get a history lesson from Señor Edison. Edison uses TikTok as a way to transform entertainment into education. His almost 900,000 followers learn how Puerto Rico's iconic coquille frog became an invasive species in Hawaii. How our famous royal poinciennas are invasives themselves. He even teaches us the right way to hang a Puerto Rican flag. Edison found a specific niche in viral entertainment. He teaches little bites of Caribbean history wrapped up in sabor. He's still a student at Florida Atlantic University. His videos are mostly shot in his bedroom, but he takes viewers on journeys with the promise of discovery. Let's see what he can teach us today. Welcome, Senor Edison. Thank you so much for having me. I love that introduction about me. I was caught by surprise. I know, well, well, you gave us a lot to work with, so thank you for braving uh, you. the Miami traffic and getting here just under Ooh, the wire. <laughs> thank you so much. I was a little late, but I'm glad I'm here. You know, so much of TikTok and so much of the internet, right, is scroll, scroll, scroll until something catches your attention. And you've managed to do this thing in such a way where there's something that grabs you right away, whether it's an image or a, or a quick little sound at the beginning, and it, uh -huh. it stops you, right? It stops yeah. you, and it brings you in, but then you do like a little, not a bait and switch, but then you bring us in with that, and then you hit us with something a little deeper. Right. That was, that, tell me about that, that idea about... Um, that idea of bringing someone in with something that's very kind of uh, eye candy, right? Right, And right. then turning it into something more interesting. Right. So I like to make like little history lessons, but, you know, with social media, especially like TikTok platforms like Instagram, it's usually micro content. So you really have to captivate like the, the viewer's attention because, you know, it's not like before with YouTube, you would watch like 10, minute, 10 to 20 minute videos. Now it's like uh, a minute, less than a minute. So like you have to really captivate them with like an image or a sound. And so I like to make like little history lessons. A lot of people think like, oh, I know so much information and stuff, but no, it's just questions that I ask myself and I go on Google. I'm like, oh, that makes a great video. Oh, that's interesting. It kind of starts with what you're personally curious about. Uh -huh. And then you, you dive in from there. Exactly. Yep. Uh, one of the ones that really caught my attention was this interesting one about the history of coquis, right? Mm -hmm. So the coquis is this little frog in Puerto Rico, yep. and that I always grew up thinking, you know, my, my parents are Cuban, and, and but they lived a little while in Puerto Rico as they, oh, awesome. as they escaped, you know. Oh, cool. Um, and I remember hearing that the coqui only lives in Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. but then in this in this video, you give us this little twist, which, um, well, I think the best way to do it is to kind of experience it, and we have it right now. So, the coqui frog, endemic to Puerto Rico, meaning it's native to our islands, is a tiny frog not much larger than an inch. The frog was named coqui by our Taino ancestors from the sound that it makes. And this is what I get to hear at a night at my grandma's house back in Seattle. Oh, the coqui is sacred to Puerto Ricans and our culture, and it cannot be found anywhere else in the world other than my Isla del Encanto, Puerto Rico, and Hawaii. Except in Hawaii, it's considered an invasive species and Hawaii residents despise the sound and government officials spend millions in trying to exterminate the animal. It's a distinct sound that makes many people cringe. Sorry? Now, but how did the cookie frog get from Puerto Rico to all the way in Hawaii? Good question. Good question indeed. <laughs> Great question, right? Like right there, you had me hooked. So oh, good. finish that story. So how did how did the coquilla, which we all assumed is is Puerto Rico's, you know, national uh, symbol, yeah. national symbol, become this invasive? 
So I thought the the coqui was only in Puerto Rico. This started because of um, an artist called Melanie Martinez. Uh, she's um, she's a Latin, no, not not many people know that she's also Puerto Rican and Dominican. Mm. And so in one of her songs, she ends it in, with some coqui sounds. And I'm like, oh wow, she's paying homage to her Puerto Rican roots and stuff. And a lot of people are like, no, she filmed this in Hawaii. And I'm like, what? In Hawaii, there's no coquis. And so I did my research, and lo and behold, there there are coquis in Hawaii. Except they hate them. They want to exterminate them because they are invasive. But a lot of people find them annoying. And so my Puerto Rican heart was like shattered because to us that's sacred, like <laughs> from our indigenous roots and everything. Like the coqui is sacred. It hurt you deeply. Yes, I'm like, how so you we? you were like, I need to know more about. Yes, it. I, I I dug deep, and yeah, so it comes from. Um, there was a big Puerto Rican migration to Hawaii. Um, a long, long time ago in the early 1900s and late 1800s, um, people looking for work in the mm-hmm. sugarcane industry and stuff. So a lot of people brought them over. Um, and there was also like with plants. And you hit us with this this bit of history where it was it was that time of the Spanish American War, yep. mm-hmm. and there was a boycott on um, U.S. U, the U.S. and U.S. Sugar territories yep. um, shipping sugarcane overseas. Right. So, so they started producing their own sugarcane, sugar and that's cane. why they... And you hit us all this in yep. your video. Mm-hmm. They were looking for work. They were looking for opportunities, so they went to Hawaii. And then and some, some little cookie uh, hitched a ride on the way right, over exactly, there. Right, exactly, with the with the, um, plants that were brought as well and stuff like that, agriculture. And this kind of goes at the heart of all your videos. I mean, yes. uh, there's some that are just for fun, of yes. course, because it's yes, TikTok, dude. You know, it's like there's going to be... <laughs> you know, you you melt cheese over the broccoli to make it interesting, uh-huh. but, you know, we like the, we like the cheese dip, right? Yep. <laughs> like, mostly it's entertainment, but this... The, the heart of your videos, the ones that really kind of go viral are these mm-hmm. where you're telling us a story about right. Caribbean history. Yep, I love talking about, um, you know, a lot of people want to do social media and they ask me like, oh, how did how do you do it? And I'm just like, do what you want to do, do what you're really passionate about. I always, I, I grew up being passionate about my culture. You know, Puerto Ricans, Latinos in general are very passionate about where we come from and we, we we're taught to never forget where we come from so it was, was very important to your, to your family yes, to hold on to that yes ever since i was a little kid going back to the island and stuff so i was to be able to teach um my generation and stuff through tiktok is something that i have like so much fun doing and so now seeing all this recognition and being here on this radio show is just teaching me like wow i must be doing something right <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you got something like uh, almost nine hundred thousand followers on tiktok alone yes. and then that's that's transferred to the other social media platforms uh-huh. and and what has it been like for you to, to kind of be able to transfer that, like use those platforms mm-hmm. to tell these little bits of history? Do you find that people respond in such a way that yes. like, like you did out of your own curiosity? Yes, of course. I, I love getting, um, you know, um, getting told that I teach people things that they didn't even know. Like of all ages, I'll get recognized in public. At first, I would get really like shy, but, you know, I always try to be kind and stuff. But now I, I, I love it. Me lo gozo porque like I get older people. um, people from little kids to like older people that can be my grandma and they'll tell me wow Edison like you taught me things that I never even knew myself of my 60 70 years of life and I'm like wow that is crazy <laughs> so I love that I feed off of that so much how do these ideas start like where do you where do the the ideas for um the curiosity where does that begin do you kind of do some research yes do you stumble upon things tell me about that so I love how you mentioned you mentioned a lot of my recent videos and I love that because um uh, I did a video about the Royal Poinciana el Flamboyant because th- that's my favorite tree. Right, and and we know them. I mean, obviously, if, if, you'd have to be under a rock to not see them. But right in the spring, they mm-hmm. bloom these beautiful red. Oh they, they call them, you know, they look like they're on fire. Right? Yes, they're flamboyant trees. Flamboyant. They yeah. are quite flamboyant. I love them because <laughs> they remind me of Puerto Rico. But also, that was like a signal for me as a kid, knowing that summer was approaching and school was ending. So th- that has always been my favorite tree. And so, 
going to Puerto Rico, you see them so much more. And so just went randomly, I was looking outside my house and I was looking at them bloom and I'm like, wow, where do these come from? And I did that research and they're not even native to the Caribbean or South Florida. They're from Africa. They're from Madagascar. They're from Africa. They were brought over. Like so many things in the Caribbean, exactly. right? Like so much mm-hmm. of Caribbean culture is has African roots because right. obviously the slave trade and, and everything exactly. else. And it's become part of endemic to our culture. Exactly. I know that when I think of, of um, Royal Puentianza Framboyang, I think of them when I went to Cuba uh-huh. and they were, you know, I had left South Florida where they were blooming and then I was in Cuba and they were blooming and there was like this, it created kind of this, I don't know. A this, connection. Yes, the spiritual kind of connection that you all of a sudden feel connected to this place. Right. It feels like home. Yeah. That's why I feel like I'm in Puerto Rico when I see them here. I'm like, wow. And your videos are like that. They're all about connection, oh, right? Thank you. Yes, yes. I try to reconnect. I try to reconnect that I ask for a lot of people complain. They're like, ah, tu hablas mucho de Puerto Rico, but you do your videos in English. But it's like, come on. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach our, our, our diaspora. There's, there's more Puerto Ricans living in mainland USA. There's like about 6 million of us here in the U.S. from people looking for opportunity and, you know, looking for jobs and stuff. Then on the island, there's 3 million. And so I try to teach our history to those that maybe didn't... Um, learn Spanish growing up or you know they're disconnected and they're trying to learn they're trying to connect to those roots right. I think that's very important so that's my goal and my platform that's a it, it's interesting to hear you say that um that some folks are critical of you for for not doing them in Spanish yeah. and I think of I think of Bad Bunny who says you know is basically said with his work like I'm only going to do it in, in Spanish, Spanish right? right and I applaud so, him for that yeah so tell me about that a little bit about that push pull and and your videos, they, they get into some, some Spanglish, which we're cool mm-hmm. with. Yeah, right? of course. Sometimes I'll do my videos in all of, all of completely all in Spanish. Sometimes I'll do them in English. There's really no, I don't really plan it. I just, lo que me salga. Entonces, pues, like, when I'm talking about history that maybe Puerto Ricans already know on the island, like, let's say, um, I don't know, the, like the Coqui video. I did it in English because I'm sure all Puerto Ricans know about our history about the Coqui. Um, but maybe us, the Boricuas here in the U.S. don't know. So I said, let me make this one in English. Or if I want to talk about La Historia del Reggaeton, I did that video in Spanish because I feel like that um, I could teach all of Latin America because now reggaeton, everybody's listening to it from Europe, South America, everybody. So I said, let me hacerlo en español and teach more people with that, you know, get make a bigger impact. Right. There was one video you did, I think it was uh, kind of in collaboration with like uh, the, the 50 Years of Hip Hop, which yes. we're celebrating this yes, year. Yes, that was recently. And you talked about the the connections that Puerto Rico has to hip-hop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what connections are these? And then you start dropping all these rappers and all these hip-hop artists. Yes. And I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that all these people had hip-hop connections. Yeah, because it started in New York, and it's just like, it's the diaspora. That's why um, I try to like um, always highlight the diaspora, because, you know, although our families had to leave through hardship and stuff, it's created, like, subcultures and, like, such influential roles in our in music today not just latin music but music like hip-hop where um african-american communities uh, mix with puerto rican communities because they were all lower income community communities and that's you know puerto ricans really had that influence on hip-hop as well which led to the um, reggaeton the mixing of spanish reggae with panama and stuff so yeah give me some that. names give me some names some artists that um let's say um fat joe big pun um, Crazy Legs, that he's he was a break dancer. He follows me actually. So. Calle 13, right? Calle 13. Oh, I love him, President. He could be controversial, President. but I love him because he puts so much meaning into his music. I love him. We had we had we had his sister on the show. You guys had Ile on here. Yes, we did. Oh, she's one of my favorite artists. You have no idea. Well, brought, folks, past guests, folks ooh. can can log into that podcast and wow. go back and listen. Bomba y plena. She really brings it. Our guest today is Edison Lopez. He goes by Señor Edison on TikTok. 
He makes viral videos about South Florida life and culture. So I'm curious about your own background. Did you, you, you were born in Puerto Rico, but you grew up here? Or? No, I was born here. I was born in Broward County. The same house I live in today, I lived in my whole life. You're a Broward Rican. Exactly. <laughs> sure. There's not too many of us. There's not any of us at all, actually. But because all of us are in, all the Puerto Ricans are in Kissimmee, Orlando, Central Florida area. Right. The the biggest population of, of Puerto Ricans in, is in Central Florida. Yes. I love going there. I feel like I'm in Puerto Rico, but oh. by Disney World. What was it like for you to then growing up in, in an area? You grew up in like Coconut Creek, like very, yes. very white, very white American. Not even. They were no? all Brazilian. Everybody was Brazilian, really? Venezuelan, Colombian. Okay. Mix of, it was very Latino, uh, which, which I loved. That's why I loved growing up here because I got a taste of so many different cultures and that's why I also have like um, in my room I have a, a wall just full of flags from all of Latin America sometimes I would like look at them before I go to sleep and just wow mira esta tiene mucha estrella and I'll, <laughs> I'll memorize them but yeah growing up in school all my friend, my best friends were Colombian, Venezuelan and Brazilian eu pode falar português pouquinho onde eu moro em muitos brasileiros alright a little shout out to the Brazilians for some love <laughs> Um, but yeah, my parents are from Manati, Puerto Rico, and so my mom would send me summers to go over there cause, to conserve my Spanish because as a kid I, I did not like talking it. So my parents really tried because both my parents speak English, so I didn't really feel like there was a need to speak Spanish at home. Now I appreciate that they, you know, they really push it onto me because I can communicate with more people. But um, what, what was that like for you when you go to Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and not just conserving your Spanish, but I imagine you're becoming immersed in a culture. Right. And, and did, I you loved find, it. did you find yourself kind of becoming curious about it? Yeah, I loved that because um, I, I, I felt like connected with nature. I would play outside with my cousins and I was always sweaty, dirty because <laughs> I was always outside. I would eat good. My grandmas would always cook really good for me. So what did, what did grandma them. make? Eso, abuela. My favorite food is un bistec encebollado con arroz y habichuela. Forget Pero abuela, about it. Siempre hacía sopa, sopita de pollo. I love their sopa. Oh, my God. The chicken soup. Forget good. about it. Yeah. Delicious. So when you would, how long would you be there? Um, well, usually I go every year, probably mm-hmm. for like uh, two weeks or so. But there was one there was one year that my mom sent me for an entire summer. Wow. Um, and that's really when when I came back speaking like a full Puerto Rican. Before <laughs> I, I, I have footage. I'm like, I can't believe I used to speak Spanish like that. It's crazy. Um. But yeah, that was that summer I, I reconnected. <laughs> so having those kind of experiences, you know, when you, you grew up in a very Latin American place and then you go to a place and it's very specific, the culture of your parents, you mm-hmm. know, and you're in this one particular culture. How do you think that that, that affected your your interest in, in telling those stories, right, and knowing more about those stories? Uh, I guess I just like to talk a lot. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I like, I like learning. I do. I was good in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, things that interest me, I like movies as well. I'm, I'm a film major, so I like to I just go, like, if I'm really interested in something, I'm going to research it. And then I said, why not, you know, teach others? And so that's why I have my TikTok, and I, I have a hobby of editing. Ever since I was little, I would make videos with my siblings and stuff, silly little videos, like music videos and stuff. So now I'm able to take wait, wait, all my interests. Wait, wait, you t- you'd make music videos of oh, your yeah. siblings? With my siblings and stuff, like... Um, like what What songs were you, were you guys... I don't know, like, let's say... I really liked um what are these people called I forgot Radioactive you know remember that song Radioactive by Imagine Dragons oh I yeah. love that song so much I remember making a video with that the It's Raining Taco song I love that <laughs> these little silly um, apps like Video Star and stuff I used to always do that so you up. you had a natural affinity to video I mean you said you're a film major now yes. at FAU uh huh um so you have an af- you had an affinity to, vi- to video yeah I like to edit and stuff did is that something that anybody else in your family was into what did your parents um, do or do I what think did they do? well not editing because that's like technology like now advancing and stuff but I think my mom she was um 
she was always into like theater and stuff. Like she did all the plays in Puerto Rico. She oh, did really? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Wizard of Oz. So growing up, I remember she would always talk about that stuff. Not that I did anything like that, like musical theater. I never acted or anything, although I would like to, like in movies and stuff. But the theater thing, I never got involved in. But I think that's where probably the social media and the uh, I don't know the the public aspect comes into. So she reacted really positive to to you starting to make videos and stuff because she comes from a <laughs> performance background, even if it's even if it well, was for fun. Well, no? at, fir- at first, because um, I, I started just when I started social media, it was like the transition from high school into college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I started, my parents like were like, "Oh, Edison, you have to focus in school." My mom would see me on the phone all the time because I was always editing and stuff. So like, <laughs> Edison, like you're not, you're not, you're not doing homework. What are you doing? Um, and so at first, she was like, "No, stop doing that." And oh, I would that's do it funny. She thought, she thought you were fooling around on the phone. In the meanwhile, you're like, and, you're building yeah, these right. more elaborate storytelling yeah. videos. Uh-huh. Entonces, over time, you know, I started getting the recognition out in public. She would see um, the brand deals and stuff. And so now she, my parents really support me. And my mom is always like, cuando vamos a un videito? She likes being in my videos. <laughs> She's like, when can we be in a video Yes, together? she loves oh, being in my videos. so funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about when you start doing that, like, what is it that appealed to you? Is it just like it was an easy access to do this thing that you had an interest in, like the actual editing of videos yeah. and such? Um. So yeah, I, like I was like I was seeing as a kid, I was um, my iPad. I had my iPad. I was like an iPad kid. Still, I am. My friends make fun of me. Like I, I can't eat without. Oh, you're my not iPhone. one of these people that take pictures with the iPad, right? No, no, oh, okay, I don't have okay, an iPad. All right, all right, all right. We got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> no, but like if I'll eat dinner or something, I'll have my phone propped up. Like I'm an iPad kid to this day, <laughs> at 21 years old. But um, yeah, I always like the editing and stuff. Um, did you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I have a little brother and a little sister, Samantha and Gabriel. They're, um. 13 and 11. And do they do they have an interest in this or do they have totally different yes, interests? Yes, of course. I put them in my videos. I make them record for me. <laughs> I make them act for me. They act like they're shy at first, but I know they love it. When when did you make the first video? That I mean, like you said, you have 900,000 followers now, and I'm sure that leads to like kind of a, pa- a separate income stream and that kind of thing. But when right. was the first, what was the first video you made or were there, what were the first few that you made that something took off and made you think, oh, this is mm-hmm. more than just a thing that I'm doing on the side here. Well, I think it was that first time I got recognized in public and somebody like asked for a picture. I'm like, with me? Why? <laughs> it's like, are you sure you know who yeah. I am? I'm like, yeah. me? Like, um, and it still happens today, even though it's been like two years, three years, or wow, three years. Um, yeah, sometimes people will look at me and I'm like, why are they looking at me? I forget. And then they'll come up to me and they'll ask for a picture. I'm like, oh, yes, of course. Um, uh, Do you remember what what video specifically uh, it was, really took off? Or? The first video was, and if I look at that video now, like the uh, quality is so bad because it was listen. If I phone. go back and listen to my first show, <laughs> it's it's not as good. It's not as fantastic. It is right. now sitting here with Edison Lopez. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it was just um, it was back in 2019. It was a POV video because back in the day there was point no, of view. Point of view. Mm-hmm. There was no Puerto Ricans on that app. There was mostly like Americans. Uh, There's a lot of Indian people. I think it was really big in India. Um, the Mexican Americans, but there was no Puerto Ricans. And I'm like, "Don't mi gente boricua." <laughs> and so I did a p- point of view video, like that Puerto Rican kid um, comes up to you at school. And so like it's just me acting like, like you know, a typical Puerto Rican, like, "Mira, tú eres boricua. Ah, tú eres dominicana. Ah, pues vente para acá." And I'm like, "Sit down with me at lunch." Something oh, like that. So, and that's really what took me off and so interesting and like what kind of views did that get and what how did how did things change after to that? me that went viral now i look back at it, it doesn't even have that many views i think it has like 50k views but how did that change things for you then um i think that's what started my niche i said oh i have to be that that puerto rican kid and i used to make you know skits comedy videos that was really my thing back in the day but now i've decided to 
you know, switch it up. I can add comedy, but I also wanted to make like an impact and teach people and, you know, be significant to social media, not just be like, um, I don't know, not, I don't know, not just be like a, a cute face or a laugh. Like I want to, you know, make an impact. Right. And so, and yeah. You now, came, so you came to this idea of like, how do I storytell about Yes, about I love storytelling. Yes. Talking. Yeah. I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good for us. <laughs> what are the topics, like what topics did you then start to get into? Like when you start talking about history that you felt like really resonated with people? Um, music is one thing. Everybody loves music, especially now reggaeton has taken over. Um, you know, I grew up listening to reggaeton on the radio and stuff, so I um, I listened to this podcast. Really, she really inspired me, Evie Queen, who is now a f- like a friend of mine. I, I, I we follow each other, and she DMs me sometimes. She'll like my she'll comment on my post. I'm like, wow, she didn't have to do that, but she's really somebody I, I looked up to because she had a podcast called Loud on Spotify. The musician Evie Queen, the musician, the queen wow, of reggaeton herself. Okay, that alone tells you you've you've kind of made it. Yeah, yep, that was a waking <laughs> plan. I was like, wow. Um, I became a. Re- I always was a fan of her. Like my mom, she she liked her as well. But it was really her podcast, Loud on Spotify. She goes into depth, like six, seven episodes of the history of reggaeton. She starts in Panama because it starts with the Panama Canal with the Jamaican diaspora, and the reggae and the Spanish reggae, and then she goes into New York and the Puerto Rican diaspora there, and all these diasporas of people moving around, and then the sounds got to Puerto Rico, and just her storytelling really inspired me. Um, with my editing and the way that that podcast was put, I was really inspired by that podcast. And to know that she follows me and watches my stuff now is is like wow. And and so, how did that change things for you then? When you, when you discover this this bit of history and they're like, oh, the music side of it is something that's interest, interesting mm-hmm. to me. Where did that go from there? In other words, like what did that what did that inspire for you to do next? When- um, so I I'm working on well, it's not. It's not here yet, but um, I think I'm gonna work on a podcast of my own with Amazon Music, mm. uh, talking about music and stuff. Not that I'm a, mu- I was in band and stuff in high school. I was, I played the drums my whole life. Not that I'm a musician now, like I'm, I don't do music now, but I like to talk about music and and the histories be- with it and the artists coming now and the old artists with salsa. I love salsa. I grew up cocolo. That was we say in Puerto Rico. My parents love salsa, so I feel like that's a like a dying genre. Most of the artists are are dying and they're old, and so there's not really many people our age um, working on it anymore. So I like to talk about the history of salsa and the, the, the African diaspora in Cuba y como llegó ese son cubano y el mambo a Nueva York and how the Puerto Ricans mixed within, how it just took over the world. Salsa was what reggaeton is today. And so I think we should really bring that back. Tell, tell me about that. Cause then you start telling this, the, the history of like reggaeton and you start talking about Puerto Rico, but mm-hmm. then that led to you it seems to be becoming interested in music of other Caribbean, right. other Latin American countries. Mm-hmm. And you tell some of those stories too, right? right. Like you bring those into the conversation yep. as well, right? It's all Africa. It's all rooted in Africa. The cumbia, reggaeton, um, you know, it's the colonization brought over that mix of European, indigenous, and African. But it's really those African rhythms is what gives the flavorful music that we all love today. Reggaeton, salsa, merengue, bachata, that, that rhythm that you want to move your hips, you know, I... It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> As you, you're ready to jump out of your chair and do it right now. <laughs> Were you always a storyteller as a kid? Is that is that where that came from, or um, the musician side? Well, where did that come from? No, I was actually really, really shy as a kid. I, they were going to help me back in kindergarten because I wouldn't even speak to the teacher. I would ask my friends, "Can you ask? Can you ask if I could go to the bathroom?" I was I had a social anxiety. I don't know where the 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 transition happened in my life where all I can do is talk now. But I was really shy. I was really reserved as a kid. Um, I was, then I was put into like drums, 
um, swimming. My mom, my parents always try to put me into something to keep me occupied. Um, but I was always in band. I loved music. Um, I was in percussion. That's I, why I love salsa today. It was very percussion. It, it's interesting to me that you were you were kind of very reserved, and now you're you're doing TikToks like in your bedroom, right? right? Like <laughs> like, in, and you're you're literally letting people into your house. Yeah. And I and I'm curious about that. You know, when you you open yourself up so publicly, you know, mm -hmm. talk to me about that a little bit about you know you sharing of yourself, but then this idea of like how do you preserve privacy when like sorry, right. you're letting people write in yeah somebody found my address not too long ago oh that's scary yeah that's scary um i guess because i show they knew where i went to high school it's getting to a point it's like whoa how do you know all this information so i have to be more careful i think it's i think i accidentally put the numbers from my house in a video or something and so i don't know how they found where i live so i'm like all oh, right wait did somebody show up at your house knocking no no no, no it was a, it was like a um like a like a fan page that i followed back and i guess they thought that they cogieron esa confianza conmigo and so we were just chatting and stuff. Like, I was trying to be nice. Um, like, people like, feel like they get to know yeah, you. Like, uh, yeah. it, it's very much like it, like TV, like old school TV. You see somebody on the little screen in your house right. every day. And I try to have that, you know, I try to have that connection where people can find um, uh, confianza conmigo to see that I'm like, you know, I'm a normal person. I, I, I like that. I get that response from a lot of people. But now I'm just like, oh, I got to be more careful now. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the other videos you make. Mm -hmm. uh, you make you you make some great food videos too, right? Oh yes. You tie in a lot of connections mm -hmm. from Puerto Rico and Latin America and and the Caribbean as well. Mm -hmm. So I had last year. I, have to, I haven't finished it because it took a lot of work. But I had an empanada series where because empanadas are my favorite. I love the Colombian empanadas. The Venezuelan empanadas got a little sweet kick to it. The Puerto Rican empanadillas. I love them all. It's like every culture has their own, their own version. Empanadas. Their yeah. own empanada. Their own dumpling. You know, every yes. culture has their own version of it. That's my favorite food. So um, I said, why not? You know, learn and then make them. Teach people how to make them. And so I tried. I attempted to do all all of the countries in Latin America. Creo que me faltan como diez. I need ten more. But um, I have a series on my TikTok where I, every video, they're like about like two minutes long where I, I make, an, make empanadas from each country. And, th and that's, that's another way to kind of tie in all those cultures mm -hmm. is kind of say, look at this empanada, which is so emblematic. Generally, you think of like Latin culture, but mm -hmm. here are so many different versions of it. Right? Yes, and they're also good. <laughs> um, tell me about, oh, and you did one which I thought was really interesting, which was the what in Cuba they call el mamoncillo uh -huh. and in the rest the rest of, of the Caribbean they right. do something that sounds like what they do in Puerto Rico the kenepa kenepa we call it kenepa so that that video um, started with um, it was like a, you know the Dominicans and Puerto Ricans always have that rivalry because we're so similar we're, we're literally neighbors in the Caribbean our cultures are Cuba, DRPR are I think the most similar out of all Latin America mm. but there's always that you know that rivalry and so there was this <laughs> one girl who was like oh what the heck is a quenepa that's called a limoncillo this and that and I'm like whoa 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 <laughs> so I did like a little research and I put up together a video and I'm like listen the quenepa is the original way because that's how most Caribbean <laughs> islands say it like in Haiti they call it quenep uh, or quenepa I think some people call it guinep chenet and they all stem from the same thing, Kenepa, which is the indigenous way to call it. And so I know Cubans call it Mamoncillo. I think um, Central Americans also call it Mamoncillo, Limoncillo. Yeah, and I, th and I think that like the English word is like Spanish lime or something. Spanish lime, yep, I they I colonized think. it. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest today is Edison Lopez, but you probably know him as Senor Edison on TikTok. And we know he really understands South Florida because he can make fun of it. And you do find ways to like, <laughs> kind of poke fun, uh, like a in a in a in a good way at, yes. at South Florida life. Of course, I love South Florida. This is home. Yeah, but I like to make fun of it. Um, so I was just at um, I was visiting my dad. My dad lives in Virginia, and that's a whole different 
world like the arc i think that's the you know what we see on tv and movies uh portrayed as the united states you mm -hmm. know the houses brick chimney but here in south florida i say our houses look like the dora house because they're very like spanish influence <laughs> the spanish tile roof so i did a video that actually went viral i was surprised with my little my siblings um just like south floridians living no me leaving South Florida and entering the United States because it's like truly a different country down yeah, here. Yeah, as soon as you get past, you know, like West Palm Beach for sure, you know, yes. it's, it's it's a whole different world. And yeah. and like you, that was a video that like you bring in with like, hey, look how cute this is. But then you end up talking about like the housing market. Oh, yeah, right? of course. So like that, that's an inch. Again, it's another one of the examples of doing a little bit of an interesting twist and mm -hmm. like kind of like slipping in some vegetables, you know, while right, everybody's right. there for, yeah. for the for the, uh, the dulce, you know. Yeah. Tell me about that, a little bit about what you learned and and what in that video you think made it go so viral. I just, a lot of people in the comments were like, they thought I was dumb. They were like, Edison, <laughs> South Florida is the United States. And I'm like, I know, but you have to come here to understand. Like, you'll go to a Walmart and somebody's going to be like, hola, buenas tardes, como esta? And then it's like, awesome. It's like, oh, I love that. <laughs> um, anywhere you go, they will, they, will, they will speak to you in Spanish first and then English if you don't speak Spanish. Right. But, um... What was I going to say? The housing market. Yeah, Messi's living here now. Every Shakira's living here. Everybody's moving here. Houses are going up. I'm going to have to buy like a house soon so so I can, I don't know, invest or something. And you had you had this kind of realization when you went up there that like everything is not like, like the housing market and outside of yeah. South Florida is uh, is kind of crazy. It's crazy. It's very Latinazo down here. Yeah. I love, that's why I also love growing up here, you know, exposed to different cultures, but, uh, you know, staying in my Latin roots. Right. Um, comiendo bueno, hablando español, <laughs> escuchando buena música. <laughs> well, the, the the Latin roots, right, is um, something you spent some time with because you were invited to to go to Messi's first Oof. game here. So, like yes. Messi, you know, Leo Messi coming to South Florida and, and playing on the soccer team here on the foot on the team mm -hmm. that football here yep. is a huge deal. Um, and and you got a chance to be there at that first yes, game. So I, so you've had these opportunities are coming from oh my gosh, yes. this kind of storytelling that you did naturally. Yes, I stood. That Messi thing was just this week. I was working with Adidas um, for the for the welcoming of Messi into Inter Miami, and so it was a paid opportunity, which was I feel so blessed because not only did they pay me, but they they hosted me in this luxurious hotel in South Beach for a week, and we that, went. To, that's pretty wild, right? Like it you was were making amazing. like what like three years ago you got on on TikTok on TikTok three yeah. or four years ago, and now you're being like this has become kind of a side stream type yes. of thing, side income stream. Yes. Um, so yeah, that that opportunity was amazing. I felt very connected to Miami. I'm from Broward, but you know they're including me into the Miami stuff. You know, a lot of my friends are like, "Edison, you want to be from Miami so bad." I'm like, "Same <laughs> thing. It's the same thing. It's just the county line away." Um, but yeah, I was I was here celebrating. The, we went to Calle Ocho, South Beach. We went to Brickell. I got recognized by a bunch of uh, kids. They had they brought this soccer team of little kids, and they were all you know screaming. And I'm like, "What the heck?" It was a wake up. I don't even know why I was there because I don't even. I did play soccer in middle school, but I don't. My content's not deportivo; it's not sports. But I think the people were fans of my videos, and they invited me over, and so that's why they added me into the campaign, which I'm super, I'm very grateful for. So that that kind of is, indicates a little bit of crossover effect, right? Mm -hmm. Like like something has happened, something has tipped, mm -hmm. right? Like we always talk about a tipping point where something right. becomes becomes greater right. and and that's kind of happened with you right your, yes. your videos have become you're a little bit of a, a cultural social right. commentary uh -huh. right so yeah um i i think i was told that i was it really i forgot what it's called um they used a term for me they didn't you they didn't use influence or nothing but they said like i'm a 
I'm a um, I'm a speaker, like I'm a like I'm an educator or something. Right. And I'm like, wow, I love that. I love that so much more than influencer. Because when I think of influencer, you think of those those posh, pretty people. <laughs> no, that's not me. Um, but really, it's been this year and last year where where I'm just seeing like, wow, so much opportunity coming. I'm very grateful and. And I was interviewed by ABC News last year. I was on um, national television. I love, to this day, I'll watch the video. I'm like, I can't believe it. (laughs) I can't believe it. Well, let me ask you then, when you start doing something like this, do you feel like, you know, can you make a career out of it? Like, is this Mm -hmm. part of a, is this a, has it given you ideas about how this can influence like future possibilities? Well, I entered, I entered university as a a bio major. I was thinking, you know, I always liked the science um, when I was taking anatomy and stuff. I loved all that. But then I started social media, and it's really social media really switched. They like um, shifted my 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 passions, mm-hmm. and so I was able to see what I can do. And I'm seeing myself now. I'm like, wow! I, if you if I showed myself three years ago today, I would have not believed that. I would have been shocked, probably passed out. So <laughs> hopefully, like in three years from now, I will feel the same way. Um, I want to. I'm a film major now. I changed my major like five times in school, which is okay. That's totally yes for the for anyone who's in their twenties out there listening. It's total nineteen yeah. twenty. It's totally okay to it's change okay. your major. And, and I went from <laughs> bio major to business major to communication. I'm a communications ma- major now in, in film, um, but I hope to you know uh, exceed social media and hopefully work on productions of my own and have not not have to edit on my phone all the time but have you know help from other people and make it professional and be able to storytell make documentaries or or shows or something i would that's really what i see myself doing in in the next years hopefully yeah. how do you how do you think that doing these videos the fact that you can do it on your phone you know mm-hmm. the fact that you can create this entire content that becomes a side a whole side income stream that becomes a, that be en- ends up influencing your career mm-hmm. how do you think that's changed the idea of 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 like visual media, right? Of like right. F- being able to to f- to create films, to create short videos. You know, right. that's ultimately what we're talking about is creating short films. Right. So I think, like I said earlier, how like I was an iPad kid and stuff. I remember, like you know, that transition of technology with the iPad and stuff. And I was like back in 2012, 2013. I remember like. Like the older generation would be like, oh, my God, take those tablets away from those kids. They're always on that <laughs> phone. I just know right. on that phone. But it's really like my phone is my world. Like, that's where I would do my homework. I would, you know, write my essays, do my research, edit. Everything is the phone, ultimately. Although, um, although it is good to have breaks from technology and stuff. But, um, yeah, now I think people are starting to realize that this is like the new market. Everything is social media. Um, advertising, housing, everything is promoted on social media. And I think that's really what's been able to um, give me income and stuff to you know pay my gas my clothes and my travel airfare <laughs> that will talk to me about that about balancing these two lives because you're you're a student you're going to school at FAU right mm-hmm. and you're also doing this this has now become I, I'm sure you feel like a like a uh, uh, indebted to the actual video like you feel like oh I got to make another video like this becomes yes. an income stream and right. it becomes a it becomes a, a part of a career right mm-hmm. so how do you balance those things you know right uh so yeah I, I both I started college and social media at the same time so that really was a huge transition into my life you started film school and then you started the social media at the, <laughs> social yeah everything media, started right? to, like 2020 was really a change in everything the pandemic everything people was people became more creative because everybody had so much time on their hands um, but with school, really, it was like the pandemic. And also, you know, I just film in my room. So I, you know, go to school during the day, come home, do my homework, and then, you know, film a little video, which doesn't take too long. I, I edit it in like everything takes like an hour and a half, maybe. Right. So that's basically what I do for entertainment. Like that's that's my hobby, too. It's become my job. Thank God now. But 
um, I love doing it, so I do it fast. And so it really started like a like a pandemic interest then. Mm-hmm. So like just sitting home. Tell me, tell me about right. that. Well, I started before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Most people started during it. I started in 2019, but mm-hmm. 2020 was really the year where everybody hopped on. I made my connections and networking, and you know I've been able to feed off other creators and you know learn from them. 2020 was 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 a bad year because you know a lot of people died and of stuff. Course. Uh, a lot of people that that I knew, um, family, friends, and stuff. But it was a lot of it was time for people, you know, to to disconnect from the world and you know find out interests of our own and really experiment with with what we can what we can do and like that was social media for me. Um, how did that, how yeah. did that, yeah how did that help you connect with people because there was a time where we were you know we were so isolated from right. one another you know and and sometimes you'd go you'd go a long time without being able to have an interaction with mm-hmm. a stranger you know yeah how, how did social media help you bridge that like help you create connections that you might not have otherwise been able to i felt like it it brought me more friends being alone um um obviously i couldn't see them in person as much but facetimes i remember i would do zooms and i would just post it on my tiktok and i'd be like hey guys join my zoom put the code and like 100 people 200 people would join the zoom and i felt like i was directing a camp it was oh that is hilarious so you just started like big big zoom parties big zoom parties with friends and then and then followers of mine and i would get to know my followers and stuff and you know a lot of those followers that were fans of mine became best friends today that i travel with today wow not saying that you should talk to strangers online and stuff (laughs) but you know get to know them and stuff and you know build that trust and you know most of my friends today are are people i met on social media which is crazy because i grew up you know don't talk to strangers but yeah, but here, all these strangers are, are, are becoming uh, some become your friends. Right. Be cautious, though. Don't, don't let anybody <laughs> yeah. into it. Like. Listen, exactly. Don't don't just flip on the screen and just go out with any weirdo. But <laughs> exactly. but it, it that must have been a real, that must have been really special for you to be able to not, you know, be in your house, but not alone in your house. Right. right. Yeah. It was it was cool. I you know I learned how to cook. I learned my editing. Def, my editing my editing skills definitely developed during that time. Oh, um, so okay. So tell me about some of your favorite kinds of videos. You, you learned how to cook through okay. them. Yes. So I basically the empanada videos I made. Um, I did arroz con salchicha with my mom. That was my favorite. Like it's a struggle meal, but I loved eating it. I still eat it today. <laughs> Uh, with the chopped up weenies and the rice, the, the little yeah, the little Vienna sausages. I, yeah, go, no, yeah. I feel you. Ooh, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, I made that with my mom. Videos like that are really fun. You make them at home. You know, you don't have to go too far to make a good video. What about what videos do you like uh, consuming from other people? In other words, what what kind of videos were people making that that you're personally so, interested in? Um, that podcast, that Evie Queen, that, that really inspired me. But there's also this uh, creator in Puerto Rico called Bianca. Her name is Bianca Graulao. I don't know if you saw the Bad Bunny's music video for El Apagón. It's a music video, but it also ties into a documentary. It talks about all the issues going on in Puerto Rico with gentrification, the power outages. And she's a mutual of mine. And she, the way she storytells and uses her drones, and she really has that team that I, I wish to have soon um, to so storytell. You're, you're looking at it like, wh- how are they creating their yes, videos? Yes, yes. Are, are there any videos that you watch? What's your, your guilty pleasure video? Like, what kind of videos do you just love to watch? Like I, my like, I love fail videos. I love watching people like fail. fall off their bikes. <laughs> oh, that's whatever. hilarious! Yes, <laughs> I I like being taught things. So I just found this creator. I don't know his name, um, but he he makes he edits his videos like if it was like a PBS PBS Kids. It reminds me of my childhood because he'll teach you about bugs, the difference between a cricket and a grasshopper. Mm-hmm. But he'll add those he'll add those jazz elements with the piano, like Curious George and things that I grew up watching and I'm just like wow I love that it feels it feels so nostalgic mm-hmm. and so he's my favorite creator now he teaches me a lot like simple things that I've never even 
thought of like a cricket and a, <laughs> a grasshopper. I never thought the difference, but now, you know, I, I, you know, I watch his videos, and there's one dif- there's a difference between copying and being in- inspired. Yeah. I don't want to copy anybody, but definitely that just to see how he adds music into his storytelling. I would, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start trying to see how I can add like elements of maybe salsa or something into my storytelling because that also, you know, it's not just the visuals but audio as well. Music is very important. Right. I, how does that influence you when you go to school, right? Like you're now with mm-hmm. all the, I'm, I'm sure all the, a lot of the kids that you're going to school with, you're thinking about film and, you know, yes. things for the screen, but also like the creation on these little screens that we carry right. around with us. Like, mm-hmm. has that become as a, a part of like, like the curriculum? Like, is yes. that part of the thing that so you So I'm so happy um, because, you know, I'm, I'm in my last year of college. The first few years were, you know, the general classes, math science you know the credits that you need and i didn't really find much interest in them but now now i'm taking my my core classes which are like uh films since the 1940s and um multimedia studies and and the projects the our assignments are basically what i already do i had to analyze a movie um it was like a six minute video i usually do one minute videos but i mean i'll go say i see that six minute video i did and <laughs> i did, analyzed west side story completamente in the diaspora of puerto ricans going to new york and the significance of look that american dream so i love how my my my, my assignments are basically what i already do and sometimes my peers will will recognize me and i find that so embarrassing because they'll be like aren't you that one kid from tiktok and then the whole class, everybody's heads turn, and I'm like, "Oh no!" But I guess that that's gonna start happening more and more, right? Yes. Like as more, I guess, as hopefully, more, I guess, as more people create on their on their screens and decide, "Oh, I want to study this as a career." Mm-hmm. Like you'll have classrooms of creators right. that you might have seen on on TikTok already. Right. And I learned from them too because we all have that same passion for film and stuff. Um, Tell so, me yeah. about some of those things. Some of the things that you've learned from now, something that you just did for funny, you figure out on your own. Mm-hmm. When you start learning about film formally, school, like, yeah. how is that affecting oh the things gosh. that you create? I just watched Barbie yesterday with my friends, and just I, the the way I was watching that movie was so different from how I would have watched it um, a few years ago. Because um, just like with the film classes, you see like sh- the way that the, some certain scenes are shot or filmed or or like the male gaze. Barbie had a lot of... Um, what's it called those ideas of uh, the male gaze and, and the female experience and I, that that this last class i took last semester was all about that and i was just thinking wow i know my professor is going to show barbie the next semester because the things <laughs> i learned in that class it, i saw in barbie and so and, and now when you go and create some of your videos do you find yourself becoming more sophisticated in the building of how you create the videos and the topics like mm-hmm. you said, there's different topics there that, right. like about you know gender roles and gender roles, fem- feminism and all those things. Of course, that, does that does that inspire you in, in like as you create yes. other TikToks? Of course. Um, well, my videos are more informational, but like let's say I want to make like sometimes when I'm driving is usually when when I form all my movies in my head and I brainstorm and I dream. Usually when I'm driving, my 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 my, my brain goes on autopilot. My body goes on autopilot. <laughs> and I'm just filming stuff in my head, and so. You know, all my videos are informational and stuff, but I hope to make even maybe like write scripts and stuff. I took a script writing class and I had really uh, a lot of fun with that. I, I wrote a story. I did a whole project about I came up with this superhero that there's a coquille man, this kid who comes from the United States to visit his family in Puerto Rico. He doesn't know Spanish, but then he gets lost in the forest and then the coquilles attack him and he gets encompassed his whole body. To, he turns into a coquille man. <laughs> and so he learns about his culture and stuff like that. So I would love to, you know, write movies and stuff. 
is there is there kind of a little bit of a lesson here like um you know folks who who maybe have you know sons or daughters you know who are mm-hmm. who are into making like tiktoks that the idea that like hey if there's if they're really talented for this right like this could be the entryway into a whole into career, a whole career. it yeah. definitely can be and you know there's so much opportunity out there and i i would just say like uh, support your kids and let them um do what they're very passionate about um i would uh, influence people to make a make a make it be an influence to to your viewers and teach positive things and you know make that influence um but use what you're passionate about don't do things for like views or do you want the fame or nothing just if you're really passionate about a subject whether it be sports or or fashion or history anything just put your all into it and people are going to see it's going to reflect on your work and people are going to recognize that yeah you mentioned growing up uh, your your mom here and your dad in Virginia. Talk to me about their reactions to it, because at, at one point I'm oh, sure yeah. they're thinking about just get to college, that biomedical degree, they're, or the bio, biology, <laughs> they're, they're thinking medicine. But right. talk to me about what the reactions have been to see the kind of success that you've had in, no, in kind of yeah. following your heart with this. No, yeah, I know they're very proud of me. But yeah, my mom thought I was going to be a doctor. My name is Edison. You know, my, my dad grew up in Addison, Illinois, but my mom... Um, so that's where my name also stems from. But my mom was like, "Oh, my Edison, my Edison's gonna be smart, like Thomas. He's gonna be an inventor and stuff." So like growing up, you know, I was good in school, and I was always with the science. And so she thought that I was gonna go into school. I was gonna become a doctor. I remember like I have pictures of in a lab coat. Like my first semester of college, my mom was taking a picture of me in a lab coat. But uh, nah, that's not the the route. I, <laughs> I I totally deviated from that route and went to a whole different one. Um, but they're very proud of me, and my mom was always asking me to post. Um, to send her videos on my trips and stuff to send in their family group chat and I'm like I know me da pena like I don't want to presumir tampoco or something like that uh, but yeah they're always posting me and, and, and sharing me to everybody else so, so they definitely happy they definitely have embraced uh, the Señor Edison versus, oh, yes, versus yes. Dr. Edison <laughs> he's famoso he's <laughs> famous now so what's interesting to you next like what is what do you feel like what's next for you I don't know hopefully I'll, I'll be working on a, on a project soon um, outside of TikTok hopefully you know working with bigger companies you know working on productions being able to continue teaching people and and keeping it close to the latin roots but on a bigger scale hopefully right you were mentioning that maybe like a podcast series yes. or something like yes i think i'm going to be working soon with amazon music on on a podcast called la semana which is it, it's not um it's not in the, it's in the works i see but hopefully yeah and it's about music which is another topic mm-hmm. that you're that you're super passionate about yes um, how do you think that folks are, that will be visiting you for the first time, what's what's like a little message for them? Like if folks are interested and they want to check out your Perfect. your your videos, like what is something that you hope that they'll find on your page that they won't find sure. in another TikTok? Sure. Um, so I'm a, I'm a nerd, but I, I guess I can be funny sometimes. So if you <laughs> want to come on down to Senor Edison on TikTok and Instagram, um, you know, on Instagram, I think is a more personal um platform because I, I post what I'm doing all the time on my stories and people get to see that and TikTok is really where I try to put uh, really well put together videos edited although sometimes I'll, um, I'll do a silly video which doesn't have much editing you know I could you could put anything you want basically but if you want to learn more about Puerto Rican culture Puerto Rican history Latin history as a whole and how the Caribbean is all connected in a way find out on my page at Senor Edison on TikTok and Instagram. Edison, thank you so much for spending the time with us. It's been thank great you. to get to know you a little bit. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Our guest today was Edison Lopez. He goes by Senor Edison on TikTok. He makes viral videos about South Florida life and culture. And that's Sundown for Monday, July 24th. Leslie Obay Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Helen Acevedo helped produce the show. 
Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our Director of Live Programming. Peter J. Mertz is WLRN's VP of Radio and Sundial's Engineer. Engineering our board today is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Balo at GoBalo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up tomorrow on the program, an artist who thinks pastelitos are worthy of a portrait. Tony Mendoza tells the story of South Florida's quirks with his art. He joins us tomorrow. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. Public Media.